And I'm Ash. Welcome to Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. potatoes hello we're back another week (laughs) yes and don't worry this one is not a two-part episode so you won't have to wait (laughs) and we are on the mend from being sick so we don't sound so yes (laughs) the only issues i'm having is freaking i keep getting bloody noses because my nose is just so dry from blowing it constantly sorry that's gross i know but (laughs) yeah it's the worst that sucks well what are you snacking on tonight ash tonight i have almond m&ms and then just some water nice yeah what about you (laughs) i had some chips and salsa Courtesy of Secret Sister. Jealous. I love chips and salsa so much. Homemade salsa, even better. But I'll take just whatever salsa. Oh, yes. And then I got a Diet Dr. Pepper with a little peach flavoring. Perfect. Sounds good. Except for now, I really want chips and salsa. Honestly, it might help finish clearing up my sinuses. True. If you get just like a little extra spicy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I love spice, so... All right. Are you guys ready? I am not going to say anything like I normally do. I mean, I'll list my sources, but other than that, I am just going to jump right into it. So, okay. My sources are Wikipedia, VanceHolmes.com, Murderpedia.org, ABCNews.go, and Casetext.com. That gives nothing away. (laughs) I know. (sighs) Okay. For real though, I might have to blow my nose. (laughs) All right. It was a cool night on February 1st, 2002 in San Diego, California. Brenda Van Dam and a couple of friends went to a bar for a girl's night out, leaving her husband Damon home to watch their three children, Danielle, Derek, and Dylan. Danielle sat at the kitchen table writing in her diary, while her dad played video games with her brothers for the evening. Around 10.30 p.m., Damon tucked the boys in bed and then tucked Danielle in. The kids had fallen asleep fast, so Damon decided to head to bed as well. He woke up at 2 a.m. to his wife and friends chatting. The six of them talked for another half hour, and then the friends went home. Damon then went back to bed along with Brenda. Then again, around 3 a.m., Damon got up to let the family dog outside. Strangely, he found that the sliding door had been left open. Having little kids, and of course it being early in the morning, I'm sure he just figured one of the children must have left it open, or perhaps one of his wife's friends that stopped by earlier. He shut the door and went back to bed. The next morning of February 2nd, the Van Dams awoke and went downstairs to have breakfast. Damon and Brenda set the table and the boys came down ready to eat. Danielle hadn't yet come down, so Brenda decided to go and wake her up. She went upstairs and walked into Danielle's bedroom. 
only to find that her little girl's bed was empty. Nope. Nope. No. No. I know. The family frantically looked around the house and the yard, but Danielle was gone. At 9.39 a.m., the family called the police to report her missing. Okay, how old is she? She is seven years old. Ugh. Okay, my heart is already hurting. I know. Little seven-year-old girl. Um, and her siblings, I did mention she has two brothers. She's the middle child, so her she has one brother that's older, I think nine years old, and then she has a brother that's five years old. Okay. So. Ugh. Along with the police... The public began searching immediately. Highways, deserts, and other remote areas were searched. The Laura Recovery Center even organized a search and set up the Danielle Recovery Center in a real estate office in Ponway. The police went to every single house in the neighborhood to question the occupants, one of which had been gone the whole weekend. Who was David Westerfield? The following Monday after Danielle's disappearance, David showed up to a local dry cleaners before going home. He walked in dirty and barefoot, only wearing a thin t-shirt and shorts. He dropped off two comforters, two pillowcases, and a jacket, then arrived home around 8 a.m. Police jumped right in to start questioning him. When they asked David about his whereabouts, it was revealed that he had been at the same bar with Brenda and her girlfriends that night. Westerfield even claimed that he had danced with Brenda. Brenda does confirm that he was at the bar that night, but denied that she had ever danced with him. The rest of the weekend, he said he spent driving around the desert and camping. Wait, so, um, can we back up just a sec? Because I think I missed it. How did this David guy get on their radar? So, the police, they didn't have a lot to go off of um like she was just gone from our bed yeah. there's nothing like left behind no like evidence of anything so what they decided to do was go and question every single neighbor everybody in the neighborhood and so this guy david he was he is was a neighbor of theirs at the time okay so he actually only lived two houses down and he wasn't home when they first yes Okay, I I think I missed that part because, cause yeah, next thing I knew, we were at the dry cleaners or whatever, and he had taken stuff. Yeah, you're good. It does kind of like, I kind of just jumped into it really fast, so sorry about that. No, you're good. I just wanted to make sure that I understood what was happening and wh- how he came about, like, on the radar and whatnot. So, all right. Yeah, so they just were questioning him because he was another neighbor. So once after he got done at the dry cleaners and finally arrived home around 8 a.m. that Monday, police jumped right in to start questioning him. When they asked David about his whereabouts, it was revealed that he had been at the same bar with Brenda and her girlfriends that night. And just real quickly, um, it's not like they're like... They're probably asking every neighbor about their whereabouts, right? Trying to get mm-hmm. build alibis and stuff. So I just want to throw that out there. Well, but... and also probably trying to make like, hey, were you home? Did you see anything? You know, to yeah. seeing if they can find a witness. Yes, for sure. Brenda does confirm that David was at the same bar as her that night, but she did deny 
that she had ever danced with him, like he said. The rest of the weekend, he said he spent driving around the desert and camping. And this is in San Diego? Yes, San Diego. Okay. After the interview, investigators quickly became suspicious of this 50-year-old divorced engineer who lived only two doors down from the Van Dams. Not only was his behavior strange and suspicious, but he had begun deep cleaning his motorhome, which he had taken on his supposed camping trip the weekend before. I mean, that's... What am I trying to say? Um... I mean, it's suspicious that all of a sudden he's deep cleaning and doing all that. But, I mean, I like to clean out my car after trips. So, I mean, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. But, yeah, which is fair. I just. Oh, yeah. No, which is totally fair. I would. I mean, I love having a clean vehicle and stuff after I go somewhere and it's a mess. Just take all of that crap out, you know. So, totally makes sense. And that's totally fair. But I want to say something, but I'm going to read this next part before because, you know, so <sighs> okay. police were able to obtain the items from the dry cleaners and get it tested. They also were granted a search warrant to David's property. They brought search dogs and both had alerted at the motorhome. When going inside, they immediately alerted again to a shovel. Traces of Danielle's blood had been found on both the dry cleaning and in the motorhome. Which is why I was like, I don't know why I'm playing devil's advocate because I already know where this is going. Yes. And I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like with this case, like it's a little bit more abrupt than like other cases I've done. I feel like it kind of has like a building, but this one, like literally, it's just like bomb drop on you. Just quick and there's not like a whole lot leading up to it other than he was very suspicious and acting very strangely towards police officers and anybody that tried to talk to him even another neighbor came forward and was like hey I went over and tried to talk to him just say hey this is why all the police cars are down the street since you've been gone this is what's going this is what's happening and they said he was very strange like it was a very just uneasy interaction so off topic just slightly did they bring in cadaver dogs or just regular search dogs did it clarify that it did not clarify so i'm actually not 100 percent sure on that sorry i know that's probably a weird question but i just think it's kind of cool the different things that these dogs can do like they have cadaver dogs they have search and rescue dogs they have drug sniffing dogs they have uh yeah i actually just learned about one i can't remember what it's called but they can smell like if there's been adrenaline like a fight or something but sorry jeez i'm off topic but i just i was i was curious no that's okay i actually glad you brought that up because honestly i wasn't really thinking about that i was just like oh yeah they brought in search dogs search dogs are search dogs but they're not always you know they search for different things like you said drugs mm -hmm. um decomposing bodies whatever it may be but i'm wondering if because they what they had found at the dry cleaners that they were assuming the worst so they probably brought in cadaver dogs would be my guess 
I mean, I'm just speculating, obviously. Probably. This case was kind of, I don't know how to explain it, kind of open and shut. But when I was researching, it's always, so it gives a lot of details. It gives a lot of details and stuff during like the trial, but like everything leading uh, up to that, I feel like it was kind of, they left a lot out at least anything that I could find. Um, I searched probably like 50 websites and only have five as my sources, if that tells you anything. But yeah. Okay, so go on and then I'll ask my question. Okay. Because you might So on February 22nd, David Westerfield was arrested for Danielle's kidnapping. Okay, so how long was that? So she went missing, so they put her to bed on February 1st, and then they found her missing on February, the morning of February 2nd. That's when she was okay. gone from her bed. So so I would say that they they uh, did their job. <laughs> they, they jumped right in and got everything squared away in order to arrest him pretty quickly. Yes. It did happen very fast, and I think that is why, like, I had a hard time finding stuff about the case but then after the case there was like after you know everything came out there was so much information on that coverage but still not a lot going back Mm -hmm. to details of the case if that makes sense no that makes sense yeah sorry i keep interrupting you this episode (laughs) you're fine i have so many questions i guess i hate child cases they're hard Then finally, on February 27th, after 26 long days of searching and holding out hope, Danielle was found. Two searchers had found little Danielle nude and partially decomposed by a trail in Dehesa, California. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but um, this was a little town just east of San Diego, about 30-ish minutes from the Van Damme home. Nope. No. It didn't give details on what happened but i we can kind of assume the way she was found um and they did say they do believe the motive was sexual so yeah we can leave it at that because it yeah she's just a baby Ooh. okay sorry david pleaded not guilty and went to trial on june 4th 2002 And I kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but the trial got messy and lasted a long two months. Um, I thought about going into the trial, but it was just a lot of stuff in the trial. Um, It brings up the unconventional lifestyle of the Van Dams and other things that I felt were kind of a distraction from like the reality and the main point of sharing this. Yeah. It kind of turns turns into like a whole drama episode on the side that I was just like, no, we're not going to add that because we're here to, you know, share these stories. And to focus um, on Danielle. Yes. So I do, however, it will be linked in the show notes. I have like the trial linked in the show notes so you can go and look at it. I mean, it is pretty crazy pretty interesting but yeah like i said i just didn't want to take away from danielle and the focus of that is that what you mean by when you said the trial was messy was just it had the drama and everything so it brought up i'll just tell you so it brought up the van dams like like i said their lifestyle and that what they were doing 
with their marriage and just how they were living and stuff. And after I read through that, I was just like, okay, like I get where some of the prosecutors were like trying to turn it, you know, but also I was just like, no, we have blood evidence like prosecutors or defense lawyers defense lawyers sorry my bad got it mixed up <laughs> no I just wanted to make sure I, I'm yeah. sure I, I knew what you meant I just wanted to, to make sure so yeah the defense team that's um, usually what happens I swear yeah it was almost like you know trying to dig up anything they possibly could you know like they're supposed to do um so I just didn't feel it was necessary to talk Which about is frustrating <laughs> Because she is a seven-year-old girl and it doesn't matter what the lifestyle is like for her with her parents and family. She is still seven years old. That has nothing to do with what he did. Okay, sorry. Keep going. I can go on a rant, an angry rant, but I won't. Like I said, if you want to, um, the trial will be linked in the show notes. So go ahead and check it out. Like I said, I just didn't want to share it on the podcast um but finally on august 21st the jury found david westerfield guilty of kidnapping and first degree murder he also received an additional conviction for a misdemeanor charge of possessing pornographic images of subjects under the age of 18 on his computer that was brought up in the trial too insert cuss words (laughs) yep So, like we've said, this was a little, innocent, seven-year-old girl. Um, So, I just wanted to share a little piece that I found about Danielle to kind of help us remember, like, that this isn't just a story. Like, this actually happened to someone. It was someone's real life. So, on VanceHolmes.com, it states, Danielle Van Dam loved coloring, playing with dolls, and drawing in her journal. Danielle had recently taken up piano, and she was a brownie who sold Girl Scout cookies to the man that was now accused of killing her. Danielle was born in Texas, but lived most of her life in California. She spent the past few years in a comfortable two-story home in Saber, hopefully I'm saying that right again, Saber Springs, just up the hill from the Creekside Elementary School where she was in a combined first and second grade class. She lived with her parents and two brothers, Derek, who was nine, and Dylan, who was five, and their dog, Layla. Her mother, Brenda, stayed home to take care of her children, and her father, Damon, worked as an engineer for Qualcomm. Her friend's parents described her as strong-headed but obedient. She loved to go to sleepovers with her friends, and her friend's parents didn't didn't mind inviting her over. End quote. Just, I just, I... Yeah, the pictures of Danielle, she just looks like such a sweet, happy little girl. You know, the innocence of a seven-year-old, which just breaks my heart, but... Yeah, and being a mom... Yes. ...too. I've always been into true crime. We've talked about this, but now as a parent... Oh, I agree. I do find it harder when children are involved. Yeah, it really does. Um, which is another, yeah. And I hope it doesn't like make anyone like super anxious, you know, but it's also good to just be aware that this stuff happens. And I don't know. On a happier note, I gave you guys a solved case. Like I said, new year, new me. I delivered. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> 
You did. You said new year, new you, and you delivered. I did. <laughs> I did. Don't get used to it, but I delivered. <laughs> well, good job, Ash. Thanks for sharing. And like you, you said, you don't want to get too anxious and scared because unfortunately these things happen and I, without being like on a low note we gotta let our kids be lit kids and we can only protect them so much yeah i think he is a freaking cuss word oh yeah i agree cuss. and i apologize i know this case is probably gonna be heavy on a lot of people's hearts but i feel i don't know I just wanted to share it. So, well, thank you for sharing thank it. Thank you guys for Because listening. I've never heard this case. So, I have never actually heard this case shared on another podcast or anything either. So, well, thank you for getting it out there, getting Danielle's story out there. Yes. And thank you to you, our listeners, for sticking with us even when we do hit these heavy hearted episodes. Yes. Thank you for being here. We love you guys so much and are so grateful for every single one of you um if you mm -hmm. don't already go follow us on instagram and tiktok at crime potatoes and we will post case updates there and if you are enjoying the show definitely subscribe and give us a five star rating yes <laughs> please that will help boost our show so much just so we can get it out to more people and hopefully just continue to grow so yeah all right we will see you next week for a brand new episode stay safe potatoes bye, bye.